Welcome to Unity of Tucson. So we're closing out this month. This is the final Sunday of the month. And this year, with each month, we are exploring one of the 12 powers um, as, as codified. I'm going to say codified by Charles Fillmore because he did not create them. But he basically codified them in a way that we utilize them within unity. And this month, we have been looking at the power of strength. The power of strength, right? Now, it's funny that I go, strength, because we're not really talking about brute strength. We're not talking about force. We're not talking about coercion, because power does not equal, strength does not necessarily equal coercion or force in the way that we are talking about it as a faculty of the self. Strength is knowing who you are. Strength is remembering who you are, remembering the core of you. That's what strength is. That's what true strength is. And it does not require making things happen in the world. It's allowing ourselves to be the flow of creation in every aspect of our lives. Strength is knowing who you are. I won't give up. I won't give up. Even if the skies get rough, I'm giving you all my love. Imagine God singing that to you, through you, as you. I'm still looking up. Our lives, the lives of each and every one of us, our lives um, are expressed as the universal life at the level of our understanding. So there is an infinite universal life. This is one of the principles we teach here. There is an infinite universal life force energy. We call it God. It is not some being out there. It is the beingness of all that is. That's what God it is, the creative essence of all that is. And the universal life force essence, creative energy that we call God is who we are. We are expressing it at all times. We call it our own, right? We all, here's the thing. We can sometimes feel separate even in unity, right? So we call it our own. We call this life force energy our own. We recognize it as our own life force energy, but it is actually the use we make of the infinite life force energy. It is simply the use we make, whether it is purposeful use or not. We are constantly, 100% of the time, utilizing this life force energy to create the constructs of our lives. And there's a way that we can activate, I think, this life force energy more profoundly than we may ever have before because it's not just about remembering who you are. It is about deepening into the practice of knowing who you are. And one of the ways that we do that is through the practice of forgiveness. Forgiveness can be a hard thing, can't it? Anyone have trouble forgiving? Everybody's like, I don't want to admit to it. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was sort of rhetorical, but not really. <laughs> Here's the thing about forgiveness. When we talk about forgiveness within the constructs of unity, I have, and, and the New Thought principles, I have taken liberty with the word itself to deepen my understanding of it, and I invite you to take this if it is of use to you. First of all, forgiveness is not about excusing behavior. There is some behavior that is inexcusable, right? So we're talking about in the world of circumstance, there is, for, there is behavior that is inexcusable. The forgiveness is finding the capacity within ourselves to be for giving, to be giving of ourselves in a deep way that is rooted in love only. That's what it is to be forgiving, to let go of the need to excuse behavior, but to find that heart space that allows an openness to be for giving. I had to be forgiving at a point in my life. I think I've, I think I've mentioned this before, um, an experience that I had back around, uh, well, it was in the year 2000. Feels like a long time ago, and yet not that long ago. Um, I had just moved to Los Angeles from New York, and I'm not going to get into all the nitty-gritty details, but some of you will know that at that point in my life, I was in a very toxic relationship. And that relationship ended very poorly, but it ended. Grateful for me, it ended. Uh, but it ended, and it was, it, was, it was a very challenging time in my life. A very challenging time in my life. Because I equated my worth and my value with stuff in the world of form. And I thought that if I didn't have this love, this experience, and if I didn't hold on to this in my life, that I was not valuable. So I learned a great lesson because what happened is um, at the end of that relationship, without going into all of the story, I walked out of the apartment and I did not come back to that apartment until a week later when he moved, when he had moved out. And in a very contentious communication throughout that week, we had come to the decision that I was going to remain in the apartment, he was going to move back to New York, and when I got back to the apartment, he had not only moved himself back to New York, but he took everything we owned. So I literally walked into an apartment that was completely cleared out as though no one had lived there. Being left with nothing in the physical sense, being left with no stuff, in that moment I had to deepen into my assessment of the strength I had in my own heart and the conviction I had in my own heart around what was of value. And what I found is that that stuff didn't matter. What was valuable was me. I found that I had everything because I had me. It's depressing, right? I'm telling a depressing story. <laughs> But, but you know what? Here's the thing. Sometimes we... I, I want to... Okay. 
One of the things that I always promised myself is that I would always be authentic as a minister and that I would never, you know, put a glossy coat over things because I've had experiences in my life that have been hard. Is there anyone here who has not had a hard experience at some point in their life? We've all had hard experiences. The thing that we get to learn is how to move through and grow through those experiences. And I have deepened into my understanding that growing through the experience is a spiritual practice. And I come out on the other side of that experience a much, much more grounded individual and expression of God than I ever had been before. This is the capacity and the promise of this philosophy. That's the promise of this philosophy, that life gets better all the time, all the time, because we are actively working on making life better. So being left with nothing, I realized I had everything. And it set me actually on a journey because one of the books that I just, I was not in, I was not in new thought at that point. I was, I was unchurched. I was not a religious person. Um, and one of the books that, that was gifted to me at that point was The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And that was the beginning of a sacred spiritual journey at that point that culminated several years later in me sitting in a New Thought sanctuary one day, looking at the minister on stage and going, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Part of the practice is allowing ourselves to become positively conditioned. We are conditioning ourselves through the embodiment of spiritual practice. Now, here's the thing. We are looking to become positively conditioned because we want to be those vessels of positive ideas. Negative ideas need negative conditioning. Positive ideas need positive, creative, affirmative thinkers. And so who do you choose to be in that? Now, the way that we can embody these things is through spiritual practice, and my primary spiritual practice, and the primary spiritual practice we teach within this movement is prayer, affirmative prayer. And I want to be very clear that we teach affirmative prayer, not supplication to something out there. It is knowing the truth, the spiritual truth of our being. Eric Butterworth, one of the great ministers within this movement, had this to say about affirmative prayer. This is the key to affirmative prayer often referred to as spiritual treatment. You speak the word of truth about the situation, no matter what the experience. So if your life is falling apart around you, there is a spiritual truth at the core of that situation that is affirmative of the growth and the expansion of your beingness irrespective of what the circumstances may look like. I have frequently said, when the circumstances are falling apart all around you, ever have that happen? When they are falling apart all around you, here's why that happens. It is because the infinite presence that you are can no longer be contained by the limitations you have put into place. And so something new must be born. But like the phoenix rising from the ashes, that which is no longer required must be shed first. Prayer is a path to that. Prayer is a path to activating that within our lives. So in prayer, part of our work, and this is in prayer, part of our work is to turn entirely away from the circumstances, to let go of the false belief that circumstances have power in our lives. 
The truth is we are the ones who are creating the circumstances through our thoughts, through our beliefs, and through our feelings. And so we must turn entirely away from the circumstances in prayer. But it might require some work to get to the point where you can actively turn away from the circumstances in the prayer. And so everything that leads up to a formalized prayer is the work we do to move past letting the circumstances have power in our lives. We affirm the truth in prayer, not trying to coerce the circumstances into being something. That's the difference that I'm talking about when I talk about strength. Affirming the truth from the point of view of knowing that you are the power and presence of God without forcing is the power that we have and the strength that we have. It is a faculty of the self. So we do what is necessary in preparation for the prayer. For me, one of those tools that prepares us for that is the tool of denial. People get a... Denial's a hard one to... Like, people, people get confused about denial, right? Because they're like, but I turn entirely away from the condition in the prayer, Right? It's not about burying our head in the sand. That is not what we talk about when we're talking about denial. What we are talking about when we are actively engaged in the practice of denial is letting go of our belief that the circumstances have power. We are denying the power of a circumstance. We're saying that circumstance does not have power. I am the power of creation in my own life. That's what denial is all about. And then always follow it up with affirmation. I deny that that thing has power. I know who I am, and I move forward magnificently from that point of view. Now, sometimes we experience interference in that. (laughs) What is interference? Interference is anything that gets in the way, right? Interference can very easily negate those affirmative thoughts that we are looking to embody. So as interference gets in the way, our work then becomes let go, let go, let go, and stand firm in the spiritual strength that is at the core of each and every one of us. In Scripture, Matthew 7, 7, it says, Ask, and it shall be given. Ask, and it shall be given. Interference in that would make us believe this. Ask, and it maybe will be given to you. I'm not really sure. (laughs) It might work out. That's interference in our minds that gets in the way of thinking truth. Make your claim and accept it as true. That's the power of prayer. Who's running? Now, here's the thing. Who's running interference in our lives? Because a lot of people would like to blame it on God or blame it on this or blame it on that. Here's the thing. You're not going to like this. The only person running interference in your life is you. The only person running interference in life for me is me because it is me oftentimes being rooted in a past paradigm that is not constructive as I move forward and me thinking that that past thing has any value. 
I could very easily be lost in the idea that 22 years ago, a toxic relationship was ended in a very toxic way and think that my life was only valued based on that event. Do you think that's going to work out very well for me? No, at some point you have to, you have to shed all of that stuff. You have to shed that stuff. So the big question that um, I move forward with as a spiritual practice is, as I experience my life and I look at the circumstances of my life, I ask this question very often. Does this add value to my life? Have I attracted into my experience that which adds value to the experience? And if the answer to that is no, then I know the work to be done is to shed that which does not add value to my life. That was a relationship that did not add value to my life. But I was in a place of forgiveness for myself. To be forgiving love. To find the love at the core of self so deeply that I could move forward in forgiveness. Does not excuse the behavior, but it frees me from letting that event have any bearing on my present moment moving forward. So the question, does this add value to my life? Sometimes we trick ourselves and turn that question around because this is not the question. The question is not, do I impress value upon myself by having this in my life? This is akin to the coercion of the law of cause and effect that we experience and utilize in our lives. Does this have value in my life? Not, do I falsely impress value upon my life because of this? Because the inherent value that exists as you is not, is not, absolutely is not conditioned by anything outside the self. But we love to place our value on those things out there and go, oh, because I have this, I must be valuable. Your value is here. It is within. So that's one spiritual practice. Does this add value to my life? Another spiritual practice is to let go of two words that we often find ourselves using. The words, I can't. What is a simple decision you can make today that steps into the energy of I can? If, we eliminated the, if you eliminated as a practice the words I can't, from your vocabulary entirely, how do you think your life might change? And what do you replace those words with? That's the thing. Actively replacing those words. When I can't comes up as a construct in your mind, perhaps turn it around and say, what can I do? Maybe I can't do this. Denial. What can I do? And then work to habitualize what can I do as part of your practice and be open to the infinite possibility. That is a way that we actively work to let go of the interference that our minds have that is based on all that past stuff. It's all just practice. I won't give up. Even when the skies are rough, 
I won't give up. This is a daily practice. I was joking in class a couple weeks ago. William was in the class. Hi, William. And it just was a heavy topic of conversation that, that night where I would go, this stuff is work until what, William? It's not. <laughs> <laughs> this stuff is work until it's not. Because here's what happens. As you work this stuff, as you work the principles, you create a new habit. It's what we were talking about, right? We are talking about creating new habits that are constructive in our lives and no longer destructive aspects of our lives. Part of the work is to let go of the interference. Forgetting that we can be completely secure in remembering who we are is one of the big stopping points. Forgetting that we can be secure in remembering who we are is a big stopping point. We are the focal point for everything in our lives that we experience. We are the point of creation for everything in our lives that we experience. Nobody likes to hear that because what people often hear is, oh, well, then I'm to blame for all the bad stuff that's happened. No. You are the point where you can look at the bad stuff that happens, decide on something new for yourself in this moment moving forward. That's true responsibility and has nothing to do with blame. In August, yes, I'm thinking ahead this year, In August, the faculty that we will be talking about, the power that we are going to be talking about is will. That gets real confused for people. because They're like, what is God's will? Well, first of all, let's let go of the idea that there is some will out there. It's willingness. Let's talk about it as willingness. But if I were to ask, what is God's will? I'm asking that of myself because I am that power. I am that presence. You are that power. You are that presence. So asking what is God's will essentially is asking what is the infinite will at the core of my being. God's will, that infinite life force energy, the the will of that life force energy at the core of each and every one of us is the inner longing in each and every one of us to express our infinite potential and nothing else. God's will If we're going to disembody God in some way, God's will is simply creation, magnificent evolutionary creation by means of all that is. And we get to drive, we get to direct that that evolution in each and every one of us. God's will is not separate from us. It is not thrust upon you in any way. It is the truth of our being. And anything else contrary to that is interference. That's it. It's just interference. But boy, we, get, we love to interfere. It is not God's will that interferes with the right answer to our desires, but our own will. And when I talk about our own will, what I am talking about here, and what I believe Eric Butterworth is talking about here, is willpower. And here we are, back to this idea that there is strength in coercion, in force. That's willpower. Let go and open up to the willingness of the divine presence to express by means of you. The inner life essence of you, that thing, that is the thing that is actually running the interference. That inner life essence of you is the magnificence that we talk about each Sunday. Allow the luxury in your life of remembering who you are, not in a forceful way, And not in a boastful way, because when I talk about the paradigm of being able 
for each of us to claim, I am God, we are God. It is not to say, I'm God, but not you. It's to say, I know who I am, and I know who you are. And what that does is it becomes the great equalizer. For when I remember who I am, how can I not know that about everybody else? So it's not boastful, but to be able to affirm with complete security the truth of your being. God is your inherent nature. You are the entire ocean in a drop. All that God is, every aspect that God is, these 12 powers that we're talking about this year, as Troward offered love, light, life, peace, power, beauty, those are the ways that he described God. That is the core of you. That is the core of each and every one of us. When we allow our tendency in mind, that is our habitual thought, to work itself into this direction, we change our thinking, we change our beliefs, and we change our personal world based on that frame of mind. That's the work. We become the catalyst to do, as we say in our vision statement here, awaken humanity to its magnificence. Peace and blessings. You are magnificent. In honor of uh, spring having sprung this month, the homework this week is to do spring cleaning. <laughs> this week, you don't, have to, you don't have to clean out all your closets, but maybe take a focus on one closet, one mental closet, in mind that you are ready to clear out. Um, this week, find something that you would like to engage in a judgment-free assessment of. Some life aspect that you would like to engage in a judgment-free assessment and ask yourself the question, does this add value to my life? And if it does, awesome. You get to keep it. And if it doesn't, bless it and release it. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.